ducks, man. They fucking. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Just talking to randomly about ducks. <laughs> this is the most random shit. <laughs> I, I was looking out the window at the ducks out there on the pond. And they just look so oh, serene yeah. floating there. Those fucking ducks, man. They're just flo- floating. <laughs> They're like little boats. Well, hello and welcome to Romancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez. And my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? <laughs> Watch Rob Cops <laughs> and then record our thoughts and paste them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, before I interrupted you while we were looking at fantasy baseball, how are you now? What are you doing? I'm doing okay. Fantasy baseball is being good to me this week. <laughs> so. Yeah. Once you started talking about me, I my matchup is like way too close. Like I have my team hasn't been good enough to really deserve to win, but they have a chance. So I kind of want to just ignore it and just see what happens. At the end <laughs> so of the that's episode. why you wanted to just go right into yeah, the episode. Yeah, I'm just like let's just get I'm into sorry. the court. No, but that's so my just... point is you're doing okay. Uh, all right. Well, you know. That's all. <laughs> but but I I'm with you. Let's let's move on. Yeah, we're going to move on. We're going to move forward. We're going to move forward. You know who yeah. doesn't fucking move forward? The two X's in The Bounty Hunter, which is the movie that we watched this week. We continued on with the Andy Tennant movies. We figured Fool's Gold was at least somewhat entertaining. Might as well keep it going and see how far we can go with the Andy Tennant ride before finding a shitty movie. And uh, <laughs> I think we went far enough <laughs> oh, this week. Um, so, well, for next week I have another Andy Ten. I'm just kidding. There's no fucking. Oh name. man. No. Oh man. I mean. Oh man. No. Uh, <laughs> well, before we get too far into the movie, let's go ahead and go into the stats of it. Uh, the Bounty Hunter is a 2010 American action comedy film. It in Wikipedia does not mention anything about romance, but yeah. you can pretty much call this a rom com. Yeah, I would call um, it a rom com. Yeah. It's a film directed by Andy Tennant, starring Jennifer Aniston and Gerard Butler. Uh, the story centers on a bounty hunter hired to retrieve his ex-wife who has skipped bail. The film was released in the United States on March 19th of 2010. So the three senior actors... year of college. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, senior year of college for us. Uh, the three actors listed are Jennifer Aniston, Gerard Butler, and Christine Baranski, who plays the mom. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's leaving out. No, yeah. oh, no. And, okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. It was produced by Columbia Pictures, but distributed by Sony Pictures. So there were two two studios that kind of came together on this film, uh, which 
Interesting. It, it, That's not usual, is it? I mean, it was a lot more. It was a lot more usual back in the day, where like with like uh, movies like The Philadelphia Story or something else, where you had this actor was right. signed with this studio exclusively, and this actress was signed with this studio exclusively. So they so do like a kind collab. Of the bill, yeah. Like they would, they'd offer. You know, you could have this actor for this movie, but then we'll get one, right. the, you know, on the way back, and so on and so forth. Um, now, in this that. Uh, this point in the movie business back in like the tens and even like from this era, usually if it was like two big named companies, but not necessarily the top name, like the, we're not talking MGM. We're not talking like Paramount. We're not talking like the old, like established movie companies. We're talking about Columbia and Sony, which are, which at this point are two of like the second tier movie companies at this point they do a lot of rom-coms that's for sure well yeah exactly but (laughs) but like sony pictures sony is still yeah sony an electronics company first and then yeah so but like they've made their way in producing and so at this point like it seems like it'd be one of those where they're like look we could both make a 20 dollar rom-com and not get the big name actors that we want or we could combine increase our budget get the actors we want and then just try to split the split the hopeful i'm i'm still surprised that like big companies i mean granted like you said they're not huge or anything but like still that like two like legitimate companies would i don't know it's kind of impressive that they would actually band together and do that i mean yeah it's it's not a bad bet when you're like if because you know uh, have a guess at what the budget was for the film. Oh, like trying to give a hint, but have a have a have a guess. Um, ninety million. Uh, the budget was forty to forty-five million. Okay. Yeah, I mentioned earlier, like you know, I have twenty million, you have twenty million, you know. So that, oh, I oh, oh, that's yeah. what you were hinting at. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, I kind of I kind of said it earlier. But, yeah. You threw me um, off by calling it a hint. Yeah. That, I, that's, you, yeah. I didn't know you were being literal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I mean, literally, yeah, I gave the answer. Um, no, um, but um, it was, you know, in that case, it's just like Columbia could make a $20 million rom-com with like Jennifer Aniston and some random dude. And, you know, and Sony could make a $20 million rom-com with, like, Gerard Butler and some random girl. And, like, I don't think either of those films are, like, making yeah. $70 million based off of just the one name. But if you get them together, everyone's going to be like, I have to at least see what happens when those two hot people hang out together. And That's so true. it leads to, you know, them taking a bet. Did the bet work? What do you think it made at the box office? Um, this is March 19th, 2010 is when it came out. So this is spring of our senior year of college. Movies and movie theaters are still a thing. So is Kesha. And so is Kesha at the soundtrack for this film. My gosh. Oh, my God. It, oh it reminded God. me of all the keg beer that I drank. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yes. All the beer. Shotty fire burning on the <laughs> dance floor. 
Oh my god, if I had a nickel for every plastic can tap beer I drank while that song was playing at an obnoxious volume at Taylor's. (laughs) Every every two dollar fucking Long Island in a plastic. I would have twenty dollars in nickels for every nickel I'd have in that. Oh god. Um, what do you think it made of the box office? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say hundred mil. hundred and thirty six point three million. Nice. So Did, it made a little over three times its budget. That's a successful which, movie. So the thing though is that it's not all successful. <laughs> For as much as it made in its box office. We got a bad critique of it. We do have our Rotten Tomato score for this film. So I did just give you a hint. Um, What is the Rotten Tomato score based on 149 reviews for this film? Mm, 18%. 12%. Damn. 12%. Somehow, wow. the wedding date has eleven compared to this one. What but, the shit? Yeah, like, I'll that's, never that, that's think, forever I gonna piss me date, off. I think the wedding date's at eleven. The wedding date may be at twenty-three. Hold on. I thought it was a seventeen. <laughs> nope, the wedding date's eleven. I, I see. Oh my I knew God. I that number. Yeah. How the wedding date's at eleven percent? I'll never understand. I'll never understand Rotten Tomatoes. Forever, forever unclean with that bullshit. Anyway, yeah, I'm the with big you on thing that. Is, the audience score is always pretty, like, pretty positive. Like, even if it's the shitty movie, it, you still find yeah. it in like, the 60s or 70s. The audience score for this film, over 250,000 ratings, <laughs> is 51%. Yeah, see, those are the ones I always actually look at when I'm legitimately considering a new movie for myself. Like, I never actually look, like, I might look at the first couple, like, Rotten Tomato reviews, or, like, Mm -hmm. a review or an article or something really quick just to get an idea. But then I'll usually just go to Google and, like, look at at the ratings on there, like, from all the users that have rated it, because those are more accurate. The thing about, like, the... Like the thing about these types of like audience score ratings here is that they're they're kind they're like the closest to school ratings. Where like if you get a fifty percent, that's an F. <laughs> like, but if you get like a fifty percent, but like yeah. you like one out of every two critics liked it. You know, yeah, was, but like. With audience score, no, that's like a straight F minus, yo. Like, that's bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The critics' consensus for this film is Gerard Butler and Jennifer Aniston remain as attractive as ever, but the Bounty Hunters formula script doesn't know what to do with them or the audience's attention. (laughs) I definitely Uh, agree with the first half of that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Rachel Wagner of Rachel's Reviews wrote, The worst movie Aniston has made. 
That's not true. She's made some terrible movies. What do you think is worse than this one? Fucking Along Came Polly. <laughs> we'll need to watch that. There's a trio of Ben Stiller movies that we need to watch. Like, I don't know if we should do a back to back to back, but there's a trio of Ben Stiller movies we have to watch. There's a reason we haven't gotten to them yet. Exactly. Along Came Polly, The Heartbreak Kid, yep. and There's Something About Mary. Uh, yeah, I've yet- thought of that recently. Yeah, the reason we haven't done uh, like any of those is because only one of those three is like looked looked on fondly, and the one that's looked on fondly is probably not going to age well because it's probably going to have a bunch of like late nineties jokes that are way too insensitive at this point. So, yeah, you're talking about there's as something show- about Mary. Yes. Yep. Yep. As I show that, off my belly. That's exactly why I haven't chosen it yet. I'm just like I. I'm not, I haven't been in the mood to to like go back into 90s mode and try to get on board with the jokes in that movie. Yes. Um uh, Michael Compton of the Bowling Green Daily News. Okay. <laughs> the Bowling Green Daily News. So, okay. He, okay. Gave it an F, but also probably wrote the most, like, correct (laughs) review. These are two miserable and selfish characters who have so many flaws, it's hard for the audience to root for them. It also doesn't help that Butler and Aniston lack any sort of chemistry. Yeah, the chemistry was pretty minimal. Uh, Megan Basham from, uh, it just says world. I don't know. <laughs> like the world. <laughs> she, she just happens, She's a citizen of the world. So therefore her review counts. <laughs> like, um, but her, her excerpt here is we never find out why these two exes fell in love in the first place, which makes it impossible to care if they ever do so again. Yes. That's yes. 100% there. That's very true. That's very true. We basically uh, root for them because they're hot. Like, yes. that's really what they're banking on as an audience is just getting like two hot actors and smoking, I must say. But that's basically all they rely on. They don't ever develop a real chemistry between them at all. Yeah. And. Uh, Jeff Beck of examiner.com wrote, if only the filmmakers could have made it less tedious and more entertaining, then we might have actually cared about the characters. In the end, The Bounty Hunter is a forgettable film that offers no reward. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty much the movie in a nutshell, guys. So uh, Yeah, actually, that's pretty much sums <laughs> it up. I mean, this is another movie I feel like that was like the last episode where it's like, you got, you want to get inebriated, lower your expectations and check yep. this out. Like it's, yep. it's a fun as fuck movie to watch when, you know, you got nothing to do on a Sunday afternoon and, <laughs> and you got and an edible. <laughs> <laughs> Max had it. I, uh. I had other means, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 
but I'm also on that wavelength. So <laughs> Yeah, man, it's like this is a good movie for that. It keeps it it was it it kept us laughing. There were a couple good moments. Um there's like, some solid joke deliveries and written jokes, which you would hope for in an Andy Tennant movie, because Andy Tennant movies can have some funny moments. Like right. there's some funny jokes, like there's you know, like if you think of Hitch or, you know, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, there's some like legit jokes that you look back on that are like easily remembered you know but i'm starting to notice Uh, a little bit of a theme with andy tenet movies which is he develops really good supporting character dynamics but it seems like every one of the actual main romances falls flat or underdeveloped like look at fool's gold i said the same thing it was like we loved like the chefs on the yacht and stuff and like the daughter was entertaining and like those kinds of dynamics we wanted to even see more of them but then when it came to like Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson it was like there wasn't really a dynamic there that's the thing both the fool's gold and this movie the fact that they both were set up for as one exes who had physical sexual chemistry but couldn't make it work the first time they tried, but are going to give it another try and forgive each other of each other's flaws and accept those flaws as opposed to not putting any effort towards changing the flaws. Like the person's not, the person's saying, accept me for who I am as opposed to I need to be better, which is the opposite attitude. That needs to happen. Well, it's the right attitude in the right scenario. And none of Andy Tennant's scenarios have been the right scenario. Like, if you guys are, like, not accepting each other's flaws, but the flaws are, you know. But the, accept- flaws, are, the flaws of these movies are choices. Like, yeah, this is, like- this, this, is, this is a guy in Milo who, at the end of this movie, still owes $11,000 to a bookie. And now has used that bookie's money to then formulate an escape for his wife. So now that book is probably going to be like, you owe me over 20 grand now. Like your debt has doubled because you cost me that much out of my like collections <laughs> on top of what you already owed me. And so he's still going to have to deal with that and what happens after or after, which we will get to. It is a doozy. So, oh boy, I can't wait actually. Yeah. So, you can't then look at your ex wife, who you hope to be your wife once again, and Jennifer Anderson and say, I have a gambling problem. Accept me for who I am. Accept my gambling problem. No, do better and find help for your gambling problem. Was that her? Was that her main gripe? No, her main gripe was like, I don't even know what her gripe was. With exactly. Was like, like, we don't know. Like, just like that review you read. It was like, we know nothing yeah. about their actual backstory, except, like, that they broke up. And they were hot and heavy we, for each other. We like, know his gripe. His gripe with her was that she would just close herself off. And she would also, like. Yeah, welcome to relationships, first. dude. Jesus. Yeah. And so he could never reach her and like she 
and he was always second in her world. And so his male ego couldn't handle it. And I think she was just mad that he wouldn't, I mean. Exactly. See, you're, you're, tr you're trying to extrapolate way too much for this level of a movie. Because I, and I be said that during I said that during the movie, which I'm also glad I didn't try to live tweet this movie because there's not much to live tweet no, at all. No, uh, but <laughs> like at this point, I will live tweet what I feel I will have a lot of thoughts about. But <laughs> if I feel like I'm not going to have a lot of thoughts about the movie, yeah, you can't, you can't force tweet. it, man. You can't force yeah. it. Uh, nonetheless, but uh, yeah, it was there was that part when we were watching the movie that I said to you like I. I was going to try to formulate some sort of sentence that I remembered. I was like, wait, nope, nope. Yeah, and, it's, just, you're, it's then, not worth it. Man. And then you were just like, what are you doing? I'm like, I tried to formulate some sort of logic for this film. And then I realized that was an impossible thing to do. Yeah. And I just hit my pen instead. Yep. See, <laughs> just like, I got you, man. I picked up on that. I got you. And so that's kind of what I just tried to do again. Yeah. You know, just like, Stop that right in its tracks. No. Nope, nope, take take a hit of the nope, pen. It, yeah. So it's just it, it's just not feasible to find out. It's just well, you shouldn't have to either. For this level, this quality of a film, you realistically shouldn't have to like read into it that much. It's not like a thinker movie. It's a it's a very lighthearted, shallow depth, but entertaining rom com. It's not supposed to be something complex. So like therefore most of the stuff should also be on the surface. You shouldn't have to read into it at all. And the fact that we are just means it's like, yeah, you guys did that wrong. <laughs> and then on top of all that, it's just If you're finding out more and more that Andy Tennant is, you know, basically he's as good as the writing on the script. He can make yeah. an entertaining movie based on how good the script is. Uh, because he does make entertaining movies. Like, yeah. they are entertaining. This script, like, this script was written by Sarah Thorpe on, or on Wikipedia the name Sarah Thorpe, I could not click on it. There is no Wikipedia page about her. So obviously this is not someone who has a lot of credits to her name or some like power player in the writing game. This is someone who probably hmm. wrote a script and found and knew some people who knew some people and got it and sold it for pretty cheap and probably never sold another script again. And then the studios just, butchered the fuck out of the original script to the to whatever we saw here and then they basically were just like here andy can't make a movie out of this and then andy was just like ah all right i'll figure something out like i got i got jennifer anderson and gerard butler being yeah hot. so i mean like and, to his yeah. credit he really does make the most of his movies like he's given these shit scripts but he makes some pretty fucking entertaining movies, especially visually entertaining. But, I mean, that's, he just, he, like, my favorite Andy Tennant movie that he made is Sweet Home Alabama, out of all of them. 
I think that's my favorite. Even I mean, Fool's Rush, Fool's Rush in is right up there, dude. But Hitch, but Sweet Home Alabama. I understand. I said what I said. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Listen, um, this week I'm gonna need a little time out from you. All right, like I need a couple <laughs> days to just Hitch. Hitch. I got a bronze medal for Hitch. I got a bronze medal for Hitch. Worth so much more. I, I taught, got a bronze medal. It for taught me. you the ninety ten, man. It taught you the ninety ten. Yeah. It may have taught me the ninety ten, but you know. But the thing, the thing that Sweet Home Alabama taught me is that you want to get married to the love of your life, so you can kiss them whenever you want. It's not even like clever. It's just obvious. <laughs> I admit, like. But you see, like the lines that were spouting off from those movies that were just like really good. Like that was yeah. the point I was headed toward, which is like those lines are great, and then when you hear them, you smile and you think back to the exact scene and like everything. And Andy Tennant made those moments feel fantastic because yep. they were they popped off the script. Yeah, that the writing is there. What the fuck was written well in this movie? <laughs> the Not a hunter. damn thing. Not a thing. <laughs> Not a thing. And so it, the bounty hunter, which is the same thing he tried to do with Fool's Gold, which is the same thing that they kind like the kind of like Andy Tennant's go to is let's make sure we get hot people being hot first and foremost. Yeah. Yep. And, and then I will put a movie together Jesus. based on what you give me as a script. The bicycle scene, dude. The bicycle scene with Jennifer Aniston writing. Like, I don't think they could have shown any more of her cleavage. Jesus. Yeah. Like, every camera angle was right there. Yeah. And they knew exactly what they were doing in wardrobe when they put her in a tank top and a pencil. Of skirt. course. Of yeah. course. They had her backlit perfectly in several scenes. They made sure they used every ounce of the attractive leads that they had. Because they did, yeah. they I'm obviously just, didn't have I'm the just, script. I'm just surprised that they didn't have more shirtless Gerard Butler. They only had the one time when he came out of the shower in Atlantic City. Was that the only one? Yeah. Fuck. I'm shirtless. I felt like he was shirtless more. No, that yeah. was it. I mean, it's kind of disappointing. That's that's what <laughs> happens when you have a guy director, man. He's not he's not playing to the right audience. <laughs> like dude Mm. yeah and then for a movie like for this movie like they really didn't play up the sex nearly as much as they could have too yeah exactly yeah supposedly they had like this hot like they were hot and heavy like mcconaughey and hudson were in fool's gold supposedly but all they had was the one scene where she's on top of him like in atlantic city but then they know that they're both talking about the gun and he's just fucking around with her and it's just like, why? There's a lot of wondering what the reason is for things in this it, film. It's and just like Fool's Gold. We said the same thing. In Fool's Gold, we kept saying, like, why is this scene even in here? Or, like, when she walked into the bedroom. We How many times did we bring that scene up? Like, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of that where it's just like, why was this even? Like, uh, um, what's his fucking name? Um, Sudeikis. Yeah, story. That storyline. Why? Why? It, it's it's basically he was 
you know, it's the Shakespearean tradition of uh, in a comedy having a clown to to lighten the mood. But that story was dark from John. Yeah, and, it went a little far. Yeah, he was overbearing to a very stalkerish, not healthy level to begin with. So then you kind of, so we in our head put to, put two and two together, like he's somehow in on the crime, which is why he's so obsessed with her. Yeah. He's actually obsessed with what she's trying to find out that he's somehow involved in. But then he gets caught by the gangsters and then tortured to the point where he's no longer wants to be with her, but then decides he still does want to be with her. But then it's like, what are we? Yeah. So, so then you're saying that there wasn't like he is that creepy. He is that stalkerish, and it's somehow okay. No, no, it's not. Yeah. Like even beyond that, like even beyond all of that shit, just the core concept of the, having this character. Like, what was the point? Like, yeah. Even if he. He provided nothing to the plot beyond a comic relief, like you said. But even then, like, we could have had that without his character entirely. We already had that with the partnership yeah. of the two bad guys um, yeah. playing or, off each other. That was you know, fucking hilarious. You know and they actually had a purpose. About? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know what's not talked about? Why Milo left the force. Oh yeah, we why never was, learned that either. Like, why was he off the force? Was it because like he did something wrong and Bobby couldn't save him, or this and that? Bobby supposedly investigating. So now you can basically take Jason Jacobs' storyline, and you can either insert a few things: one, why Milo is off the force, and make and make it to where like Bobby's trying to like clear his name. Maybe Milo is the one who got implicated in this whole drug thing, which is why Bobby is investigating this thing. And figured all this out. And so now you create some sort of storyline there. Or you do what I think is the better option. And you put in more Jeff Garland scenes. Just anytime <laughs> Jeff Garland's on the goddamn screen. And just let him make me laugh. Like yeah, Jeff Garland as the bill he bondsman. He actually has a reason for being on the screen. One. And two. Like he he's actually hilarious in this film. Which Jason Sudeikis is a fantastic actor. I love Jason Sudeikis. Yes. That, Ted Lasso is my fucking jam. Everyone should watch Ted Lasso. But at the same time, he does not need to be in this film. And he's just lost in this film. I was I mean, at least hoping at the end that like, okay, maybe we have a redemption of him where he finally learns she's not worth it. And then maybe that will follow into and, not, no one is worth that. I can't be that kind of guy anymore. I need to like, like something like that. Some sort of hint of a character growth. But it's like, yeah. oh, thank God, at least, okay, at least he serves no purpose, but hey, we witness someone, like, growing, you know? Like, that's great. Or, But then he maybe, goes back on that, too. It's like, God damn it! Or maybe, like, instead of getting caught by the gangsters, somehow his, like, super sleuthing takes him back to the bail bondsman's office, and he meets Teresa, and then he and Teresa get together. Yeah, I fucking love Teresa. Teresa was hilarious as well. Jeff Garland and Teresa. Yeah. Like, I forget Jeff Garland's name, but those two needed to be on screen even more than they were. That's... The scene where they're talking. Where Teresa on the phone. On the phone. Jeff Garland yeah. talking on the phone yep. with Gerard Butler's character. 
I'm like, sorry, but just the whole, oh, you think it with your dick. I'm like, just <laughs> Jeff Garland and just typical Jeff, Jeff Garland voice. Just like, oh, you think it with your dick. I'm like, and, he, and then, and then <laughs> Teresa's, I think it means she still loves you. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I love the dynamic between the two of them. Like him being the male friend of just being like, no, stop thinking with your dick. Like, <laughs> no, she's, she has that in her wallet because she hasn't cleaned out her wallet in over a year. Yeah. I have a condom from 1987. Don't tell your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your mother. Yeah. The fact that his just, kids are there too. Oh my gosh. It just, uh, Jeff Garland. It, yeah. Those, those were solid so hilarious. He is so funny. And I, I just, I think of like, whenever I think of him, I think of his appearances on a podcast called Doug loves movies. Um, that I used to listen to all the time. Um, but Doug loves movies. Basically he would do these live shows where he'd have stand up comedians who were in town. Um, at that particular town, whatever it was, he'd do a tour and like do a Doug loves movie taping where they would play movie trivia games that Doug would create. And um, whenever you'd have Jeff Garland on Jeff Garland was not very good at the trivia. His Jeff Garland's background is improv, like second city and like, you know, and I didn't know that. that Yeah. So he's got a huge improv background. So whenever he'd come on the show, he would just improv the fuck out of the, the show and just kind of overrun it. So like Doug's trying to get people like moving in, like host it and like get people into the games. But Doug Benson's known as like the marijuana, like high comic. Right. So he's like too high to like really be on top of things. So the Jeff Garland would just keep talking and like coming up with the most random shit and telling stories and like everything else. And then, and Doug would just be like, okay, let's play a game. And then Jeff <laughs> Graham would keep talking and like everything else. And so whenever Jeff Garland would be on the show, like Doug would bring him on, but then he would have these shows called the worst guest shows. And you'd have all these guests who like continually just did not play the games and just would talk and crack jokes and not pay attention to the actual point of the show. And so, so like uh, uh, Sean Connery on yeah. Celebrity Jeopardy, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, basically like that, but in real life. And, and Jeff Garland, he was always the best because there's there's one where he was on there with like this college movie critic who like happened who was like a recurring guest on the show, and the kid's name was uh, Jesse Pasternak, and then. Jeff Garland just in his improv brain was just because like his Jesse's family was there at that movie uh, festival for some reason. And he's just like the whole pastor net clan is here. In fact, they're going to have a Christmas special on ABC. He's <laughs> just like, he comes up with this random improv thing. He's like a pastor net Christmas. <laughs> and then he starts singing this random song about <laughs> the pastor net Christmas. He literally just goes on for like 10, 15 minutes. Just all this random ass joke he created out of nothing on this podcast about movies. It's, I love Jeff Garland so much. <laughs> and to see him in just two scenes of this film was not enough. That's the point I'm trying to make. Oh, fuck. We're still recording. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like wrapped up in that story, man. <laughs> I know, right? It was just like fucking I love Jeff Garland so much. He's he was he was solid. That's I like this is but we're making the exact same observations we make about the last several Andy Tennant movies. Like like we love these supporting characters. We want to see more of them. And then we come up with these alternate scenes, alternate storylines that would make it better, all this stuff. And it's like, wow, yeah, I'm noticing a trend here. Yeah. There the only difference between Fool's Gold and the Bounty Hunter is the Bounty Hunter was a lot more negative. <laughs> like they end up in jail. Yeah, that was a weird kiss. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, it was so yeah. weird. I wouldn't even call it the kiss of the film. Did we have another kiss? We did. Where he kisses Teresa. You damn right. <laughs> that is the kiss of the film. He 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 gets her gun gum from her does. and then gives it back. He kisses the fuck at her. She, as he pulls away, she is still like trying to like make out with him all tongue. Did you see that? Her tongue is like coming out of her mouth I still. That. She's like, <laughs> like still trying to like go after him. <laughs> I was laughing so fucking hard at that. <laughs> I give that kiss just for comedic effect to B plus. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. That's a solid kiss, and it's fucking hilarious. Kisses don't always have to be romantic or sexy. Sometimes it can just yeah, be funny as this fuck. This is funny as fuck. It was a very good moment for it too, and they were yeah. they both executed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. I gotta say, I gotta go with the final kiss as mine. But Jennifer Aniston is still an amazing fucking kisser. I gotta give her that. <laughs> there are plenty of gorgeous actresses out there that every time they've kissed i'm just still kind of like oh okay that's how you kiss or like it's just always weird jennifer aniston knows how to kiss man at least on a screen <laughs> she gets like the hands into it and everything and i don't know if the angles are always forgiving or what that's probably part of her contract but yeah yeah and it was a solid kiss because we don't have to see Gerard Butler for much of it. But like them <laughs> kissing through the bars of the cell, I get that that's supposed to be romantic, but it's whatever. It's it's it's, it's good. It's it's odd. Yeah, it's it's odd. <laughs> yeah. What would you give the? Uh, what would you give? Like that's a grade for that kiss. Um. I'd give it a B. Jennifer Aniston saves it. She's really good. That's like the (laughs) best part of her acting. (laughs) Yeah. She was always like that on Friends, too. I was always noticing that growing up. It was just like, wow, yeah, that's why Rachel was so attractive as a character. It's like she when she had to be passionate in a moment, Jennifer Aniston was really fucking good at that. Yeah, we'd say more about her and her performance in this film if... uh... It was worthwhile, but there really wasn't much more yeah. put into the film. So, you know, yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about it with The Ugly Truth when we covered that movie. But just Gerard Butler being a thing. 
how did we as a society allow Gerard <laughs> Butler to be a thing? Yeah, at least at least Jen has that going for her. Like, I don't mind watching her in a movie. Gerard Butler just always somehow annoys me just by being present. He he was just a six pack in a movie called Three Hundred. Like that's all he was. He was just a six pack. He was decent in that because he was he fit the role of that. But then they tried transferring over to like to... to like action comedies and stuff, and it was weird. Well, they didn't ask him to like they didn't ask him to say any more than like nine words in three hundred. You're just Which you're just why. you're just furthering my point. Yeah, <laughs> that's and why so, he was good at that. And, see, and so what what the problem is is that everyone was just like, okay, well, this guy, you know, he yelled, "This is Sparta!" Really good. It seemed like guys like them and women totally want to have sex with him. <laughs> so, totally like, you know, we should try to figure out what kind of movies we, we should make. And then I feel like studio executives got to meet him and then when they met him he was just like you know cracking jokes and being gerard butler and you know all of a sudden like oh let's have a drink let's you know right right do this and he was just kind of the same surly guy that he is in these films but like oh that's who he is he's funny he should do comedies yeah yeah he really like i I don't want to say he should have been pigeonholed, but like, not like action comedies or even rom coms. Like, he should have like if he's supposed to be like that that like raw sexual icon that they were going for, they should have kept him in like yeah. these raw sexual roles, like more like darker films or like high intensity action, you know, stuff and. You know, that kind of stuff. You're playing to the wrong audience by moving them to, like, these cutesy rom-coms. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I don't know. I, I just... I don't know. I, it, I I just feel like it was just one of those things where, you know, the they invested a first-round pick in the guy, so they gave him three years, even though you knew... Six months in, he sucked. <laughs> or that he was, you know, bound for the IL or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or that he just had one good year in college and he parlayed it into a first round pick. And then he realized, oh, this guy's not actually good. Yeah. You know, you know what kind of transactions we call those? Bad transactions. The New York Mets. <laughs> or that. <laughs> Um, let's get into what happens after ever after. Yeah, let's hear this shit. I'm interested. Um, so first off, they're in jail. Yep. They got the bad cop, like, arrested, I guess. Um, but... That was it. Okay, one quick thing. That was another thing that bothered me was that they set up this whole thing with his with his cop buddy. What's his name? 
Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. They set up that whole thing, and then it had such a lackluster ending. Like, I'm not saying I was rooting yeah. for him to be, like, for them to, you know, solve it all. But and... it's... But it's much more interesting if he's actually in on it and they yeah. catch him and then there's the betrayal aspect of it instead of, oh, I was, I've been investigating him. Yeah. It's like, it's another thing. It's just another thing in the movie that's very like lackluster anticlimactic. And it's like, okay, there could have been more there, but that's yeah. all we need to but I mean, Bobby walked Jennifer Aniston down the aisle. All right. Oh yeah. They got to slip that little bit of history there- in. Like, yeah, they're so close. He's my friend as too. Friends. They're so close as friends. He walked her down the aisle and he introduced the two of them, you know, because those three ran in the same circle somehow. I what <laughs> just I don't know. I mean, I could I, see I, like I could see one of us introducing the other to a girl, but and like just the whole, the whole Bobby thing was just like, what are you fucking? Yeah, doing, it's like saying talking it's, about. It's I, not worth on screen time for this bullshit. Like just to have that ending to it, it's like. I mean, that and then also fucking, just there's obviously someone who the drugs are going to this. Police officer's not selling the drugs. I doubt he's like selling it himself. He's obviously yeah. like probably got some sort of boss or well, now you, now you're reading into the reality of it, which is already out the fucking window. So, well, that's what happens after ever after reality strikes. <sighs> Thank God. And the reality is, there's a fucking a bookie who wants people to be hurt in order to realize that Irene. The name Irene has not gone soft as a bookie in in New Jersey. Oh yeah, I forgot about that motivator. Like, what the fuck? So, and as I mentioned earlier, he now owes double the money probably because he not only still owes the eleven grand from gambling and losing, but on top of that, he took a garbage bag full of the money that was going to her from other bets and whatever other collections, and he threw it at a strip club in order to escape with Jennifer Anderson's character. <sighs> That's on top of all the other destruction he created within the streets. Yep. There's a fucking turned over truck <laughs> with like no plates and everything else. Um, there's the fucking golf cart of the country club in a pond. There's oh, all yeah. this other shit. Yeah, what about the fucking country club, man? Like, yeah, there's uh, there's the uh, there's all this other shit that's been destroyed, or just like, abs- like he pulls out a gun on cab drivers at a fucking racetrack. Yeah, holy shit! Multiple cab drivers. If any one of them wanted to say, I would like to press charges on that. Like, technically, Seriously. they could probably figure something out. So there's a shit ton of things oh that had like, like arrestable offense. I thought he was going to get arrested at the end of the movie because he had like, they were going to be like, Oh, by the way, you're wanted for this, 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 and this, and this in New Jersey. Yeah. So we're going to have to bring you in too. And I thought it was going to be a funny thing where he brought her in 
then he goes in for all the petty shit. But no, he gets in because he punches Gelman because Gelman talks shit to him. Yeah, really. Like, like uh, that's that's how we're gonna resolve that little that little yeah spat between the two guys. Like yeah. he's gonna punch him. Okay. So the fact of the matter is, they're not gonna last because neither one of them have solved the issues that caused their breakup to begin with. And on top of that, I like. I don't know what happens first, them divorce or that. Well, they're already divorced. So I guess that's what happened first, but I don't think they ever get like remarried because before they could ever get remarried, one of them goes to jail. I could see them killing each other. <laughs> I, the, the thing is like, like the fucking, ha- the, the fucking B and B couple that are like, like looking at their arguing in the living room, you know, and they're just like bickering and they're like, Oh, isn't that sweet? Like they're so close. It's like, no bitch. That's like, I get that they're not actually together in the movie. So it's, it's, it's funny. But like, if that's what you're thinking when you're witnessing a couple saying that shit to each other, my God, that that's a sign of a toxic relationship. Nah, it's more of a just making small talk and waiting for the check to catch, you know. That's you just fucking change the subject. Don't even act, don't even give recognition to their bickering in front of you. Like couples are doing mm-hmm. that in front of you, it's fucking petty ass bullshit anyway. It shouldn't be acknowledged. Like keep that shit private. That's between you two. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, at, at this point, I think we're good to go straight into the verdict. Yeah, there's not a whole lot else. What say you, Max? Um, realistically, this is a kill. Uh, but I, I gotta say, if there's one reason to watch it, it's Jennifer Aniston. I mean... I love her to death. So, if you're if you're uh, into her, then yes, watch it. That's it. <laughs> uh, I don't have I don't hold the same affinity for Jennifer Anderson. So, without hesitation, I kill this movie. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, a decision that I regret. I apologize to all involved that I chose <laughs> this movie. Uh, and let's never speak of it again. Hey, we have so, to have a few shitless movies in here, man. This is the point. I mean, it's not August yet. I, I could have waited. I, I really could have waited on this one. Uh, I should have trusted my instincts. It's okay. It's going to be a shit movie. It's okay. You know why it's okay? <laughs> the, uh, the look. I just, the expression on your face. Um, because I'm going to follow it up with... Uh, um, another potential well before we get to that our socials uh on instagram at bromancing the stone podcast all one word together bromancing the stone podcast and on twitter it's at bro the stone pod that's b-r-o-t-h-e-s-t-o-n-e-p-o-d and then you can find me on twitter at supermarket sweep without the e in super so that's s-u-p-r market sweep and on Instagram, I'm at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-8-8. And Max? 
On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted with a period, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore instead of a period. All right. And then, Max, it is your turn for a movie. What did you choose? All right. So, we're going to do another one that came around, came out around the same time. So, same era, same level of quality. Starring two people that we have seen plenty of movies of already from both of them, but neither of them together. In the form of Ashton Kutcher, Katherine Heigl. Uh, you chose kill- the Killers. I did. Have you seen it? Nope. Good. But I mean, I've stared at it. I've stared at it and yep. wondered if it should be a choice. It should be chosen at some point. Uh, yup, right. we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do two, uh, well, probably three potentially shitty movies in a row here. Yeah. Well, my next one, I'm gonna choose the movie I like. So that's why I, I was like, this is a safe time to choose it because I was like, at least you mentioned the next one being something we've both seen before, so it'll bring us back to a nice, comfortable plateau. Yeah, I I don't remember you liking it when you watched it, but then again, that was back when. That was in 2016, so. Okay. So I'm interested to see what you think now. Okay. But anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, but before we get to that movie, we got to get through this one, The Killers. Uh, Catherine Heigl and <laughs> Ashton Kutcher. I want to see this because I, I love Ashton Kutcher normally, and if he plays Ashton Kutcher with what I know of Catherine Heigl, it's like, oh, this is going to be a tough one to root for. But plus, we got Tom Selleck in it, so I figure it can't be horrible. Catherine Heigl, yeah, it's going to be tough to get past her. But Catherine O'Hara is also in it, who I love. We'll find out. Uh, until then, for the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all and we thank you for listening. We will catch you next week. Love you guys. Love you guys.